Wow, it's raining. Uh, just, just for the record, you know, we got here this morning and it was dry. So we made the call. You know, it, it could only get better, right? We'll see what happens here. I will say when, you know, sometimes in the morning I'm a little numb and that, that light sprinkle on the skin has kind of woken me up. So hopefully it's, it's doing that to you as well. Back to the mixer question. In what setting or situation or activity do you feel confident? Do you experience confidence? You know, that kind of free feeling like you're not self-conscious, you're not worried, you're not anxious, but you're just in it. And the first thing I thought about around confidence was actually not myself, but uh, my son Levi. I remember a moment where uh, we were sitting on the sidelines, he was playing soccer, and he was running down the ball, running down the sideline, dribbling the ball, and there's a defender there. And he, like full speed dribbling, he did some sort of like step over trick. And the defender was just left like flat footed and went right around him. And it was, yeah, and there was a gasp on the sideline. Like, oh, <laughs> it was so great. And I thought, man, that kid's got confidence. Because people do that in practice, right? People will do that in their living room, these things. He was doing it full speed in a game. I was so impressed. So um, that's my confidence moment. It's not even my own. But, um, but when you're confident, it just, it's easy. You're not, you know, I don't know, you're in it. And then if you try something like that and it succeeds, then you're going to do it again. You're, like, more confident to try it again. And then, you know, and hopefully, you know, if it fails, that's not it. Hopefully you try again. Uh, once you get a goal, once you make a basket, you're more likely to try again, whatever the analogy is for you. Anyway, we're talking about confidence. The premise of the message today is if you are in Jesus, if you are united to the life of God, if you've been brought into his kingdom, if you've turned to him, if you are part of his life, if Christ is in you and you are in Christ, you have supreme reason to be confident, to take that deep breath of confidence, knowing that you are on solid ground. You can be at rest whatever's going on, knowing that you are in him. See, if you and I, if we knew in our guts, in, in the marrow of our bones, if we knew that God truly did love us, God Most High loves you, you would be confident. Whatever comes, failures, stumbles, or successes, if we could see what no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor my, what mind has conceived, what God has in store for us, we would be confident. We would be able to enter that rest, whatever is going on, whatever situation we're facing, we would be able to tap into that confidence. We would no longer let fear stop us. You know, over-analysis stop us. Self-doubt, the what-ifs. We wouldn't be stopped by those things. We would press in and move forward in those good things that God has given us to do. We wouldn't be hindered. We wouldn't shrink back. We wouldn't be sidelined. We'd be in 
we'd, we'd come into more of the fullness of life that God has come to give us and to lead us into, we would be more confident. Not confident in ourselves, our abilities, our track record, our credentials, but confident in Him, confident in God, confident in His love, confident in His plan, confident in the inheritance that He has won for us. We would be more confident, more free. We would be more like those first disciples. One of the things that stands out for me as we've been going in this message series, More of You, Lord, we've been in the book of Acts, and these disciples, just normal people, they may be reckless, right? It's, it's almost like, are they reckless or are they? No, they're confident. They're confident in who Jesus is, in what he has done, is doing, and will do. It's a picture for us of what God wants to lead you and me into Today, So let's look at their example uh, to start. Uh, so we're going to dive back into Acts. Let's remember where we are in God's plan, the, the plan that God is working in the world. God is moving things forward. You know, creation, fall, we blew it. And then God brings these restoration promises. He activates this plan to renew and restore all things to this person, Abraham. Abraham becomes Israel. Israel becomes this people. God works through them. God gives them these great promises about a time coming where he will send his king, who's also his son, who's the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. He's going to come. He's going to bring forgiveness of sins. He's going to heal the breach between us and God, between us and each other. He's going to roll out the kingdom of God. He's going to gather all people in. And then Jesus comes. God comes in Jesus, the man from Nazareth, walks with us, shows us what it looks like when the kingdom of God breaks into earth. People are being healed, forgiven. He's leading people out of oppression. He's at work. The kingdom of God has come near in Jesus. It's beautiful. It's amazing. Crowds are gathering. They're beginning to follow him. And Jesus dies. For our sins. It's part of the plan. And then he, he's raised again on the third day. And that's shocking. It's surprising. But it's according to plans. It's in the prophecies. And then over a period of 40 days, he gives many convincing proofs to his disciples that he's alive. And he tells them to wait in Jerusalem for the gift of the Holy Spirit that he's going to drop on his people. Renew his creation. Resurrect people spiritually give us a new heart they do what he says jesus ascends back to the father where he's seated right now and he and the father pour out the holy spirit on the disciples and it's big it's dramatic it's powerful the spirit of god in these disciples normal people like you and me are enabled empowered to to speak the wonders of God in other languages, and then they are empowered, motivated, fired up to tell people the message about Jesus, to call people into his kingdom, to pass on the message that the time has come, the kingdom of turn, and believe the good news. They do this, and people come in. 
God falls on them. The Holy Spirit brings them into his people. And this thing begins to build. 3,000, 5,000, 10,000. And then they stop counting as it goes out from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. That's where we are in Acts. We're going to look now at these disciples filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, people just like you and me, former tax collectors, some fishermen, you know, common Joes. And God fires them up to do some neat stuff. All right, let's look at this. Uh, Acts 5. Acts 5.12. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. That's what happens. The Holy Spirit is active, filling them, working through them. They're obedient to the Spirit, and God does signs and wonders through them. And all the believers, this group of believers, used to meet together in Solomon's Colonnade. It's an area in the temple, on the Temple Mount. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. That's because at this point, persecution has broken out against them. The religious leaders have already arrested them a couple times. So there's like, okay, publicly we can't join them. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord as they proclaimed the message and were added to their number. This thing continues to grow. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets. Picture this. And laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow... Peter, this fallible guy, Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by and be healed. Crowds gathered also from towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by evil spirits, impure spirits, and all of them were healed. These disciples, normal people, filled with the Spirit now, are doing the things that Jesus was doing, but it's being multiplied out through his body, through his followers. So three key points here. God is working and does work powerfully through spirit-filled disciples, his spirit-filled disciples, his followers. Did it back then, he's doing it today. When the Holy Spirit is present, he wants to work. He wants to heal, restore, renew. He wants to... Help people to know that they are forgiven, that they can be reconciled to God, that they can be confident in Him and His love. God is working, and there's opposition. Okay, that's why they're publicly, you know, a little nervous about associating with uh, these disciples. And three, more and more people are believing and joining the disciples. This is the pattern. That's what's happening then. That's what's happening now. Same sort of thing. God is working through his Holy Spirit-filled people to advance the kingdom, to bring people in. And there's opposition. This is not neutral territory. There's opposition. There's things that stop us. Our, our own selves, our doubts, questions, you know, caution, that sort of thing. People, eh, what will they think? Um, straight up criticism and uh, in some places of the world you get arrested you get, you get in trouble for being a Christian alright there's opposition still and today still the number of believers the number of people coming into God's kingdom increases daily 
all over the world, here, in Asia, in Africa, in South America, Central America, and what did I miss? All the Americas, everywhere. This is happening. It's still happening. We are in the church age. We're in the time when God is gathering people into his kingdom. All right, so let's look at this opposition again, because this is, we got a little Acts 15, 17. Um, so they're doing this, you know, God's working through the, the, prof, the apostles, the disciples. Verse 17, then the high priest and all of his associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees were filled with jealousy. Okay, they're in control of the temple. They don't like what's going on here. And they arrested the apostles and put them in public jail. All right, now remember, these are the same leaders. A year earlier, it's hard to tell how, far, how much time has passed here, not much, who arrested and had Jesus crucified. All right, so they arrest these disciples. They're trying to stop the work of God. Now, let's, let's recall what happened. First, this group, to stop him, hand him over to the Romans, had him crucified, killed him. Did that stop him? God raised him from the dead. How are you going to overcome that? How are you going to stop that? Okay, so then they arrested the disciples who were going out preaching the message about Jesus, his resurrection, the kingdom of God, repentance and forgiveness. They arrested them. They threatened them. And what did God do? God emboldened them to continue. They gave them confidence to continue to preach. Then they were arrested again. You can follow this along in Acts. The apostles again. And God broke them out of jail. You can't even jail these guys and keep them in a jail. God broke them out of jail. Then they were arrested again. And they were told to stop preaching the news about Jesus. And Jesus' people filled with God's spirit. Listen to their response to this. Verse 29. Peter and the other apostles replied to these leaders who told them to stop. We must obey God. There's a higher authority. There's a higher power. We must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on the cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. So we're not going to stop. You couldn't stop Jesus. You can't stop us. This thing is unstoppable. The work of God is unstoppable. God is unstoppable. Nothing, no, no weapon forged against God, his work, his people will prosper. He may kill some of us. The work will continue. He has many people following Jesus have been killed. The work continues. Can't stop this thing. They're with Christ right now. Nothing can stop it. Okay. So at that moment, after this response, religious leaders, most of them wanted to kill the apostles, disciples, right then and there. But cooler heads prevailed. God stopped them. God intervened behind the scenes. Verse 40. So the leaders called the apostles in and had them flogged. That means they are probably whipped front and back 39 times. That's the max they could do. Okay, that, that hurts. That's ouch. Um, 
Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let him go. Okay, you've just been with There's the powers. What do you do? What do the disciples do next? They lay low. Play it safe. Take a time out. Retire. All right, what would you do? You get, you get brought before the ruling authorities. You've been jailed, threatened, beaten, and then released. What are you going to do? What if somebody, maybe more, what if somebody makes fun of you for being a Christian? What if, what if somebody gives you a hard time? What if somebody uh, falsely mistreats you? What are you going to do? You're going to get quiet? First tendency. What are you going to do, Sophia? Pray. Pray. Yes. And we did see earlier, man, the disciples got together, they prayed, and the Holy Spirit shook that place, and they were emboldened by God's Spirit because they're in God, and nothing can stop God. Let's see what the disciples did in this situation. Verse 41, the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing. Not the word I expected. The apostles left the Sanhedrin after getting flogged, rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name, for Jesus. Rejoicing. They counted it an honor to suffer for the sake of of God and his work for the sake of Jesus, like he had suffered for them, like Jesus has suffered for us. He bore the shame. He scorned it. He endured it for the joy set before him, for you and me to reconcile. And then verse 42, day after day in the temple courts from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Reckless? Zealous? Confident, right? Confident. They know who Jesus is. They know the news they have. They know that it needs to get out. They know that people are dying without it, that they know that this is the power of God for the salvation for all who believe. They gotta get this word out. The spirit of God in them is driving them out. They're testifying to what they see and know. Nothing's stopping them. Wednesday Bible study this week, um, Adele and Saideh were there, and uh, we just asked them, you know, you know how they became believers, and, um, and they told us how, you know, a friend, uh, they, they had a friend who was a Christian, and this is in Iran, and it's dangerous to be a Christian. So you, you got to go underground. You don't have churches you can just go to on Sunday and, and freely worship. So they have these house churches, groups of five to nine, five to ten people. And um, so they started, his friend was talking to Adele a couple months, and then Adele decided to, to go to church. They decided to go to church, he and Saturday. And they went, and I don't remember how many times they went, but the government started to take pictures of them and follow them. And then one time they got arrested. 
They got arrested for going to somebody's house, five to ten people, uh, and doing what we do here publicly. And they were in jail, both of them, for three days. You come out of jail, what are you, what are you gonna do? Well, maybe this, maybe it's not worth it. Maybe this is, you know, this is risky. This is dangerous. What did they do? They kept following the Lord. You can't stop this. It actually made it more clear to them that they are on the right thing, that Jesus is the right one. Nothing's up. And now they're here. They're, they're worshiping freely. Nothing can stop God's work in you or me. He called them into his kingdom. Nothing can stop that work. Nothing can get in the way. No government, no threats, nothing. This thing has been moving strong for 2,000 years. It won't stop until Jesus returns and says, enough, we're done. Confidence in good, God's goodness. Confidence in who God is. Not in ourself. We're not talking about self-confidence. The world preaches self-confidence, man. Just believe in you. Dude, I know me. I got, I got a few skills, maybe. Got bow staff skills. I got, you know, I got some skills, but not much. I know my flaws. I know my weaknesses. We're talking about confidence in God, the other, the one who is stronger than all things. He's in you. He's in me. He's at work. Let's capture this. They are confident like crazy, strong, confident. Nothing's stopping them. They are confident in God, in God and his kingdom. That's what Jesus says. They're confident in this. They're confident that in Jesus and what he has said, his words. Listen to what he said, Mark 1.15. Here's the big news. Here's the good news. The time has come. The kingdom of God, the heaven realm, the God realm, has come near. True then, true now. Has come near. It's broken in. So repent. Turn to it. Turn to God. Believe this good news. Believe it. Believe it. Don't just believe it on Sundays. Believe it through the day. Believe it when you get fearful and nervous. I you know, most Saturday nights at some point, I think about this moment, I get, I get a little dread, I get a little anxious. And this time around, I just, well, I'm going to be confident, not in me, not in what is here, but in God. God in his kingdom. Be confident in him. Because the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God has come near. Because this is the work that he's doing. They are confident in Jesus. They have no doubt about it. Jesus' message for you and me today. Believe. Be confident in the good news. Be believing. Be confident in what he has. Believe the good news. John 20, 27. Stop doubting. Stop being of two minds. Stop doubting and believe. Choose it. You've got all the reasons. You know it. Now believe it. Believe it when it counts. Believe it when the pressure's on. Believe it when it's costly. 
Believe it when you're fearful. Believe it. Jesus' message to you and me. Be confident in me. Be confident in me and my kingdom. What would that look like? What would you look like if you were supremely confident in Jesus, in his love for you, in his plan for you, in your future with him? How would you live? What would change? More singing? More skipping? Less fear? Less doubt? Less, ah, I don't know. I don't know if that's going to work. More boldness? More good risks? More yes to Jesus? I don't see how it's going to work out, but I trust it. I'm going to move forward. More reliance on him. More confidence in what he can do and will do, even if he can't see in that moment. Less being ruled by circumstances or the past. More being ruled by his spirit. More obedient to his spirit. More just spirit prompting me. I think that's God. God, I'm going to do it. I'm going to say it. I'm going to do that thing. More follow-through with the Lord. More fruit in your life. How do we get there? How do we get into this more? More confident in God and in his kingdom. There's a great little prayer that this guy, a dad, says to Jesus. So Jesus is gone. The disciples are there. This guy comes to the disciples to ask for them to pray and heal his son. And they do, but they aren't able to do it. And um, so Jesus comes and says, do you believe to this dad? And the dad says, I believe. Help my unbelief. Right? I believe. I do, I do believe. Help my unbelief. Help me in my doubts. Help me push through this and not be ruled by my fear and doubt. Okay, here are some things to help us get out of doubt, get into confidence and belief in Jesus, who he is, what he's done, what he will do, his word. Number one, man, remember, remember, recall regularly who you are now in Jesus. Who you are now in Jesus. The world will tell you who you are in many different ways. You've got your own internal messages about who you are. Remember who you are now in Jesus. Remember what he says, what he has done. Remember who you are in his eyes. Who are you in Jesus' eyes? Who are you now? What comes to mind? Chosen. You didn't choose him. He chose you. Chose you. He initiated. He came to you. He said, you, that one, that one's mine. I'm going to set my favor upon them. I'm going to save that one for my kingdom. I want that one in my family. When you were maybe a mess. Chosen. What else? Accepted. Forgiven. Forgiven. Jesus, I know my stuff. God knows my stuff. Jesus has paid the penalty in full for it to remove it, to move it out of the way. And he accepts me. 
because I'm forgiven. Rest in that. Thank you, Jesus. All we can do is say thank you. What else? I heard one. Empowered. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Not on your own. He didn't leave us as orphans. See you guys. I'm going back to the Father. No, he says, see ya. I'm going to pour out the Spirit. I'm going to be present with you. The Spirit of Christ is in you. He's with us. He's raining on us. You are reconciled. You are secure. You are his sons and daughters, his beloved children. That's who we are now in Jesus. Remember who you are now in Jesus. That's how you grow in this confidence in God and his kingdom. This is how you get freed up from fears. Number two, remember where you are now. Remember where we are. I'm in the rain, Wayne. No. Remember where we are in the story of God. Go get him, man. All right, this is where we are now. We get a picture of it in Hebrews. This is such a stellar picture for us. Listen to this. This is where we are. Speaking to believers, those who are in Christ, you have come to, take cover if you need to. I won't be offended. You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in joyful assembly. You have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God himself, who is the judge over all things. Don't fear judgment from others. You are, you've come to God. You're in him. You have come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, people you know who have died in the Lord already. You have come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven who have now been made perfect. In God's presence, they've been made complete. You have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people and to the sprinkled blood which speaks of forgiveness. That is our situation. That's where we are now. We are united to God. We're united to the heavenly realm. Colossians says we are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. Right now, in this reign, spiritually, you are seated with Christ. We've overcome. So that means we're passing through here. We are passing through. This is not our home. Don't get so attached. That's what happens. People freak out when things go badly here because they're too attached to this place. This is not our home. God's bringing us forward him face to face. We are pilgrims. We're going through the wilderness. The promised land is ahead. And God's in us. The fire is in us. That's who we are. If you're really anxious, if you're really frustrated about certain things, take a time out. Remember who you are. And remember where you are. You are seated with Christ in the heavenlies. You're part of this heavenly assembly. Angels, people who have died in Christ before us, Jesus, God, you're part of that. We're passing through. So let's do one thing here, 
and then we will, let's take communion. We're going to do communion now. We're going to take communion as a way to remember who we are now, what he's done, who he is, and um, where we are in the story, in God's plan. So if you're joining us, um, if this is real for you, if you are in Jesus or you're, you're just embracing this today, get a cup. And if you don't have one, you need one, raise your hand. There's also some on the table here, a little communion cup. All right, you start peeling the wrapper because it's hard to get. Um, so this is what happened. So Jesus, he prepared 2,000 years ago. He was gathered with his disciples before he was arrested, before he went to the cross the night before. It was a Passover. And... During that time with his disciples, that last time together before the cross, he took bread and he gave thanks for it. And he broke it. And he gave it to the disciples and said, take and eat. This is my body. This symbolizes my body which is going to be laid down for you, for your sins, to reconcile you to God. So in remembrance of Jesus, who we are, what he's done, let's receive this bread. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. And then he took the cup. He gave thanks. He gave it to them and he said, take and drink all of you. This is the cup of my blood, of the new covenant, which is poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. Receive that cleansing that he has provided for you and me. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for the great love that you came and demonstrated for us by your loving sacrifice. By doing for us what we couldn't do for ourselves, we thank you for coming and saving us in our lostness, in our separateness from you, in our spiritual deadness. We thank you, Jesus, for coming. Lord, we receive this. We thank you, Lord. Why don't we stand now? We're going to ask him to fill us with the Holy Spirit. Maybe for the first time for some of you, but just being refilled by his presence, we're going to ask him to fill us again. Let's stand. Holy Spirit, we ask you, we invite you to come. We thank you for the cleansing that you provided, Jesus. And now we ask, Father, Son, to pour out the Holy Spirit on us, in us again. Touch us afresh. Fill us again, Lord. Bless us with your presence, Lord. Praise you, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord Jesus.
Father, we ask, we seek, we knock in the name of Jesus for the gift of the Holy Spirit, more of your spirit, more of your presence, Lord God. Come, Lord Jesus. Lord, we ask you to release us into more confidence in who you are, what you've done in your kingdom. Lord, it won't be long. We look forward to seeing you face to face, and we know you have good works for us to do in the meantime here, Lord. So help us not shrink back from those things. Help us quickly obey you. Holy Spirit, we invite you to lead us. Lord, help us in our unbelief. Help us to follow you quickly. To speak the word. To reach out. To put away those old things. To follow you, Lord. Let our lives here, however long or short, be fruitful for your kingdom. Help us put first things first. You and your kingdom, Lord. Amen. And during this last song, you, if you just want more prayer, if you, you, the Spirit is prompting you to come get prayer, come up here. The prayer team is happy to pray for you, and it's uh, under the gazebo. Let God have his way in you this morning. Amen.